Hey, this is Dr. Chris Holland. I'm absolutely so thrilled that we're sitting here today. Uh, Rick Snyder and I, uh, man, we've been friends for a long time, and we've been talking about doing uh, what we're going to talk about today, which is a new podcast. Uh, we're calling it R&R, uh, which is not rest and relaxation, though it could mean that, and hopefully it will mean that to some officers and uh, their family and friends. But uh, we're talking about uh, the remnant revealed. That's what we're uh, calling this podcast. And uh, uh, you and I have sat around and talked about these things for many years. And then we talked about doing this podcast, and it's it's just birthed itself out of our conversation. So, man, I'm very excited about today. Well, it's been a long time coming, right? I mean, yeah. many years, and this is a this is something that we've talked about doing in some shape or manner. It's it's unique because it's by cops and for cops and chaplains, police chaplains, right? Um, trying to really get at the heart of the matter of uh, many of the challenges that our officers face. Uh, I've got 25 years of law enforcement experience, uh, many of those years over a decade also representing officers uh, in some shape or manner, and, uh, you know, getting a behind-the-scenes look at uh, some of the darkest times for our officers, the most challenging times, and also some of the highest points of their careers as well. And I think in the current context of everything going on in our country, um, and that we see that it's our officers on the front lines of right. really just about every challenge we're talking about. Um, there's no better time than the present to uh, it's crazy to uh, provide some kind of um, some kind of um, a message to our officers to where they can better understand not only what's going on and what they're experiencing, but why right right, and then also how you. Um, really move through that, and 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 you're better because of it. Um, we're at a time in our profession where uh, the challenges almost seem insurmountable, right? I just looked uh, last night for 2020. We had 314 officers shot in the line of duty. Wow! In this nation, uh, that's almost one a day in our country, and people don't realize that. Uh, we had a total of 118 line-of-duty deaths last year as a result of violence, uh, car crashes, accidents, things such as that. We also had an additional 208 deaths related to COVID, line-of-duty deaths. Wow. So last— No, most people—let me pause you there. Yeah. Because most people haven't even thought about law enforcement officers dying from COVID. No. It, because normally they're there— along with the EMTs or who, the ambulance that's trying to help you get to the hospital when you're in crisis. But many people haven't even thought about the fact that we have officers that are also getting sick from COVID and dying. And dying. Yeah. So. Yeah, and those are line of duty deaths, right? Those are documented right. related to a line yeah. of duty incident. Um, wow. So last year, that's 326 line of duty deaths in our country. Um, we normally average about 150, uh, give or take, depending, which is a startling statistic when most people hear that. Uh, but you see this compounding effect of being in the middle of a pandemic, mm. right? The middle of civil unrest all over <clears throat> our country. Right. Uh, the target of the angst <laughs> for many and also 
the target of hope for many as well, uh, because this is that that line, right? This is that thin blue line that we talk about that is there to uh, protect folks who cannot right. protect themselves, defend the defenseless, um, and also stand the line between good and evil. Uh, and and I'm noticing uh, just the ability to be able to stand up under all the pressure. You know, the stress of doing the job is is hard enough when things are normal. Not that any day for an officer is ever normal. Right. But there is some normalcy of the load that you carry and the pressure and the stress that you carry every day, all day long. Hypervigilance is on almost every run you take in some form or fashion, right? You got to be on. When you're on, you got to be on. Right. But what I'm seeing is, uh, and most of the officers that I talk to throughout the day or take calls from or, um, when you ask them, or or even those that I might see at a restaurant, or and and I can't help myself, you know, as I've been doing right. chaplaincy for what twenty eight, twenty nine years, and and a pastor for almost thirty, so you can't, you know, I'm, I got cops everywhere on the mission field, work with uh, officers and national police departments and all that all over the world. But when you talk to them and they say it's the worst. I've ever seen it. The, the, the morale, the the pressure. Um, pray for us, because this is the worst I've ever been. Under. This is the worst pressure I've ever been. Under. This is the most difficult, and not just talking about an incident or a crisis at the moment. I mean, we all know they can be off the map, right? right? But the prolonged pressure and stress of just every day. Uh, being who you are, who God called you to be, mm-hmm. who, you know, he chose you to be who you are. He put that in your heart. And now you have people that aren't just frustrated when you do your job. They're now frustrated and angry at who you are deep on the inside. Well, and that's that's the point, right? It's not only the stresses of what, of living up to the expectations you have for yourself, but then also trying to meet those oh, expectations man. that everybody else has of you, whether they're valid or not. And they and 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 many of them are not valid. That's right. Many of them are not even fair. It's Correct. not even part of your job description. Correct. Many of them aren't. You're not supposed to be everybody's parent. You're not supposed to be everybody's husband or wife or or answer issues at that moment. You're not. It's not. You're not supposed to be a psychiatrist. But yet right. what we see for our officers is every day they're in the field, the vast majority of their work, they're they're working with folks and they are serving folks on the worst day of their lives. Right. So then what that translates into is our officers have these multiple acute traumas that they're, they're exposed to every single day. Sure. Um, and any human being... Uh, really can only take so much of that with that without at some point recharging themselves, right. refocusing themselves, redirecting themselves back to the original question, right, of why it is that I do what I do. That's right. And oftentimes what we find is that officers may have a solid foundation of that when they start in their career. The honeymoon period. Correct. Is, well, yeah. Right? But after... 
many years and many incidents and critical incidents and death and trauma and everything else, uh, they lose sight of that. And they start to allow the tragedies that they're experiencing and that they're witnessing, they allow those tragedies to speak louder than the truth. And mm. that is really yeah. how you and I came together, That's which right. was this discussion that uh, I was asking this question many years ago, I guess now about 10 years ago. Yep, uh, we, we do a, we're doing a good job in the law enforcement profession of focusing on physical wellness. Right. Right. And then we drive that into our recruits through the academy, right, and on. Now, we notice that many don't maintain that, <laughs> right? After, right. But again, it goes back to the same thing. After many years of exposures right. to trauma, uh, poor sleeping habits, poor eating habits, all of these things, right? All the things that mount up over a period of time. That's right. And then we discovered uh, in about the last decade this the value of saying, hey, uh, perhaps we should look at the mental and emotional well-being of our folks because we are in a profession that are breaking our people by design, right. really, if you think about it. Right. Uh, we, we break them and break their break them down physically, mentally, and emotionally with all the things that we expect of them and that we put them through, quite frankly, because we we want our officers to handle it because we don't want to see it. Right. And we don't even want to know that is going on in our communities. We don't want to know. We just want to call it evil or bad people. We don't want to we don't want to say that exists or see any of it. Right. right? The average human doesn't want to see any of the of the issues that we pay somebody to take care of. And invariably what we forget in that is that the crime, the disorder, the violence, which is raging in our communities across the country, is actually a reflection of of our community. There you go. And it's much easier to put, lay that blame, lay that fault at the feet of the very people that we (laughs) have sent out there to deal with it then allow it to come home and allow uh, us to see it in the mirror. And I'm saying us as a community community, to see it in the mirror. And so it's those officers that are taking that home, right, taking that home with them, and they're internalizing that, and they're trying to pack that away, compartmentalize it away. And so about 10 years ago, I started asking the question, okay, we're doing well on the physical. We're doing much better on the mental and emotional, and we're here in Indianapolis, central Indiana. We... We really have led the way in the profession on this mental-emotional discussion, and now a lot of other folks around the country are really tackling it in a very proactive way with wellness issues. Right. But we've never talked about the heart of the matter, which ultimately is the spiritual aspect of this. And what not just me, but many folks were realizing is we're not just breaking our people, we're breaking their spirit. And when we break the spirit of an officer, that's where we see them go wayward and we oftentimes lose them. I talked about those numbers, uh, 314 officers shot, but we had 326 deaths last year. 118 of those deaths due to violence or accidents or crashes, things such as that. What we don't talk a lot about is we know for a fact that uh, we probably lose an estimated three to four times as many officers every year at the result of their own hand versus that of another. 
and I would I would submit to you. Um, we see that when the spirit of the officer is broken. And I and and I want to I want to share. Now I use my Bible, my yep. my Bible, not just because I'm a preacher or a pastor or a chaplain, but because um, I truly, with all of my heart, believe this this is not a rule book. It's an instruction book to the best life that you can have on the planet. Um, you know, I, as you've heard me say many times over, and so has my sons and the congregation, the voice you hear the loudest, that's the voice you follow, yeah. even if it's your own, which is, of course, one of the ways that people take their own life, That and, and it's, it, it's heartbreaking in such a community of givers and life-sacrificial attitudes mm. that they come to a place of such despair that they would harm themselves or take their life just feeling like they're desperate and there's no other answer. Um, so they begin to listen to their own voice to the point that they convince themselves that's the only, that's the only way through what they see at the moment. Mm. Um, and and this this verse is very powerful. It's a it's a verse in chapter four of uh, Proverbs, uh, about verse twenty three, and um, I, I'm going to keep I'm I'm going to read it out of the Amplified version. It's a version. Uh, it says, "Keep and guard your heart, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance or diligence." You, you're not going. I mean, officers are very diligent people. We want them to be, right? They're vigilant. Right. Um, always think of an officer, and I always watch when I'm on a ride-along or I'm out with an officer, I always watch to see what they do with that right hand as they walk up to a car on a traffic stop. Right. A vigilant or diligent officer will, of course, touch the back of the car. Uh, one that's not diligent or vigilant. Uh, or vigilant. Vigilant. Yes, I'll get it right. Thanks for helping me. Um, they, um, you know, they'll just walk up to the car, lean on the top, and do those things. Well, that's the same kind of diligence hmm. that you want to guard your heart with. And here's why. He says, and above all, that you guard it, for out of it flow the springs of life. King James Version says, for out of it flow the issues of life. Hmm. The bedrock of life issues, I don't care who you are, what you do for a living, where you come from, the bedrock of the issues of life come from the heart. You can deal with the mind. Hmm. The mind's good. That'll help you. Right. You can deal with the body. You've got to have strong body. I mean, man, sometimes you're having to deal with evil that may be in a 250, 300-pound body of just solid muscle or or even smaller, but still strong, you know, very strong, or maybe they're on some uh, form of drugs or alcohol that make them even more strong, might even be someone that's battling a mental issue themselves. Extremely strong. So the body needs to be strong and tempered to do the job that law enforcement officers do. But that bedrock, that heart, Mm -hmm. Out of the heart flow all the issues of life. So sometimes that's why an officer can go out, do their job, but then come home and have heart trouble. I'm not talking about physical heart trouble. I'm talking about spiritual heart trouble. 
Right. I'm talking about battling some of the things that any human battles when they're under that much duress, pain, stress, pressure, all the things that try to cause you to implode. And if there's not a strong bedrock of the spirit, you will implode. Well, and that's the point, right, is that you have officers who are going home or even sometimes while still on the scene of something, you're trying to make sense of the senseless, right? Right. Our officers see people at their worst. They right. see bodies in, in every in, kind of condition, in conditions that no Jesus. one should ever see. Nope. Um, people think they want to see those things until they do. Until they do. Um, and, you know, uh, we see children, elderly, yeah. uh, friends. Uh, the other thing that people don't think about, co-workers right. uh, who have fallen in the line of duty, been critically injured, taken their own life, um, all these other things, uh, car crashes. Sure. Um, and none of it makes sense. And so how do, you make, how do you make sense of that? And we're dealing with officers that that is their job. Their job is to bring sense, to bring normalcy, to bring rules and regulations to all of these things. And when their heart can't juxtapose, can't make that work, then they're left wondering, am I the, am I the flawed one here? Right. Am I the one yeah. that is the mess up, right? And then today we have voices all over the world and in the community that are saying that very thing. That's right. And so, so now it's not now – now officers are not dealing with just a physical issue. Now they're not dealing with the mental issue, which they can just be mentally tough and fight through it. Now they're dealing with voices that are speaking to their heart, which is, of course, your spirit. But therein lies the point that I was uh, referring to earlier. Where we get in trouble is when we allow those voices to speak louder than the truth. That's and ultimately, right. the question comes back to, what is the What's truth? What's the truth? Right? And so back to our point many years ago, um, that's how we met yep. uh, was that I talked to one of our other chaplains, uh, Rick Castle, and said, hey, I'm really trying to figure out how can we facilitate some kind of small group discussion, provide an outlet right. uh, for officers uh, to have these discussions and to ask tough questions and get answers based off of truth. Um, to help provide them the ability to navigate this career. Because invariably, when our officers don't have that, they flame out, they burn out, right. they crash and burn, whatever the case may be. It used to be common for officers to make it through a 30, 32, 35-year career, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but oftentimes they were worse for the wear by far at the end of that. Right. Very few successfully navigate that long of a career with this much exposure to these issues. And I always think about this, especially in this day and age, everybody wants our officers to be human, caring, compassionate, right. approachable, all those right. things. Um, yet they never want their humanity to play a role in what they do or how they do it. And that's the great confusion for our officers. Right. And they're consistently asking, what is it that you want of me? And I would just suggest, from what I've learned by having these discussions, it's more important to ask, 
It's more important who you're asking that of. Right. I think where we fall short is when we're trying to fulfill every expectation of man versus the expectation of the one who has placed us here to begin with. We talk a lot about you ask an officer, why did you become a police officer? It's very difficult for most officers to answer that question. And they may have an experience that they had or or something that uh, triggered that in, in their childhood they, they saw or thought or family right. or whatever the case may be. Number one is I wanted to help people. And invariably what an officer will eventually say is it was a calling. I was, I was called right. to do it. I can't explain it. It was something in me that said that is what I'm supposed to do. So it's a calling. Well, the question that I started asking, right, right, yeah. is who is it that who does called the you? calling? Yeah, that's the great question. And that's what right. I found is when officers start to go down that route and explore trying to find the answer to that, who placed this in me? Who called me right. to do this? That's really who you're working for. That's exactly right. You know, a lot of times people. You pull them over on a traffic stop or whatever. They know they're going to get a ticket. And, and and there's something else you could be doing. There's real criminals out here. After all, I pay your salary, right? You know right. that old phrase. But the truth is who you really work for as an officer is a whole lot higher than that person sitting in that vehicle or sitting downtown in a government building. The, the depth of that calling of the spirit man is that you really work for God. Well, and I think the thing for most people to realize is that our laws come from somewhere. Right. And in that, you've got to ask the question, do our laws come from man? You know, the the very things that codify the basis, the foundations for our law, for our civilization come and society, That's good doesn't right say that they come from man. No. Nope. Right? They nope. said they were endowed by who? Our, our creator. creator. And that our rights aren't man-made or man-given. Yeah. They're God-given rights. That's right. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're going to use religion to do your job. It means that there is value in being in relationship with the Creator that provides the very foundations that we operate under. That's where our laws come. You know, and sometimes people say, well, no, our legislatures create the laws, right? You know, but invariably in every law, when you work them back, back to the source of where they come from, invariably you can't get around that they come from some very basic tenets and principles uh, like we're not supposed to kill, to murder, right? We're not supposed to covet. Really? Right? We're not supposed to steal. No kidding. I can't take what my neighbor has? That's right. And so... Invariably, what we find is even if someone doesn't recognize, realize, or it hasn't been revealed within them where yeah. those basic fundamental principles come from, they still know inherently it's wrong. And, and that is, that's the remnant of morality mm. that is being eaten away, eroded from the fabric of our society, but the remnant stand strong because of of the one who wrote the remnant and he wrote 10 of them and and of course man added 600 plus mm. but but he only wrote 10 of them mm. right and and so that would make those a remnant of what man keeps trying to embellish on 
But if you come back to those 10 strong remnant principles of life, mm-hmm. and then you love your neighbor, you, you love the one who made them, and then you love your neighbor, it's said that you fulfill all the rest because you love your neighbor well, as yourself. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and even our own folks, our own officers, their families, they oftentimes lose sight of that, lose track of that. Right. Again, they're letting these other things speak louder in their lives. Right. And I think what I have found uh, in my own experiences is that, um, you know, and many of our officers, we push away this concept of religion. Right. Right. We don't need that. I don't need that. That doesn't play a role in my life because we have our preconceived notions or experiences of what religion has been. Right. What was uh, significant for me was this was discovering. Right. Having it revealed within me. Right. That it was about relationship and relationship with the one who called me to do this job. Thank you. And the more and more that gets revealed, the more that you find peace, you find comfort, you find stability and and resolve in the middle of all this chaos that we're surrounded by. And that's where, that's the critical piece that seems to be missing within our profession. And that's why we're, we're wanting to do this. I think that there is such a hunger and a thirst for truth, for what relationship means with the one who created you and created all these things that we contend with, but also understanding that there is also another side of this, which is a spirit of evil, which is what we confront on a daily basis. On a daily basis. And so how do you make sense of all of that? Uh, You know, I've I've said before in, in public comments, but also a lot of private discussions, right? I am notorious for... Um, I buy something new and an assembly is required. The last thing I ever want to do is look at the owner's manual. That's right. right? I throw that to the side. I think I'll get to that later. Right. Or get to it if I just absolutely need it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then spend so much time in frustration trying to assemble whatever it is uh, according to what I think it should be or how I think it should be assembled. Right. Right. And very much the same in life. And the the revelation is is that when you pick this up and recognize that this actually is your owner's manual for our officers, this is your general orders, your rules and regulations, the power that is within that, because then it does lift you up, stand you on a firm foundation, and allows you to stand firm and not waver anymore. And that's where I think can be the power of what we're talking about doing here. And I think officers and their families will respond to it all over this country. Right. Um, because in one, there's some anonymity maybe in watching this right. and listening to it. My hope is that officers might be able to watch or at least listen to this in their squad car uh, during a shift. Uh, play it on a laptop or whatever in their car, be able to see it, watch it on their phone, whatnot, watch it at home. Maybe a, a spouse starts to watch this, and even if their husband or wife doesn't have an interest in it, 
it speaks to the heart of the spouse who can right. then speak that truth into their loved one. Um, and, you know, we watch way too many officers and way too many families get wrecked, wrecked. Totally. By this job. Right. And uh, that is, that can be traumatic when the very thing that you were called to do overcomes you. And so I think one of the things that you've been great at with so many of our officers is showing them that they can be overcomers of these very, very, these very challenges. And uh, you have the respect of so many, as you said, not just here in Indiana or the Midwest, but really throughout the country, in other countries, uh, when you go and do missions work, you always fold in law enforcement in those areas. Can't help myself. Right, but but why do you do that, right? I think you've come right. to recognize that it's that remnant, oftentimes in the backgrounds, oftentimes right. in the shadows, that are toiling away, standing this line, and oftentimes people forget about them or don't want to think about them, right? The success, many people believe the success of law enforcement is you don't even know they're there. That's when they're successful, right? Right. The problem is, is that they're so critical, we have, they have to be revealed so that evil knows that they're, they're, they are not welcomed. Right. <laughs> right. And when I say they, I mean the spirit of evil. And I think that's the, the other critical thing here. We're never... The most successful officers I have found have always gotten it's nothing personal. The uh, the a person who commits a crime, an act of violence, right? Where an officer gets sideways is when they start to make that and attach that to the person, really versus the spirit that is about that person. And right. I, I mean, around that person that right. has enveloped that person, that has overcome that person. And the most successful officers I have found are the ones who can see through that see the humanity in the person even that has done something horrendously bad right um, and separate the act from the from from the heart of that person yeah because because the thing that drives the criminal right is also spiritual that's right uh, there you know the Bible says if you're if your eye be darkened then the spirit you, you've heard the eye is the window of the soul then how much darker is the spirit hmm. when it has no light coming through? That's why when you look at somebody hmm. and you can look in their eyes, right? right? As you and I have extremely violent, heinous criminals. When I say, hey, I mean that have done deeply, unspeakable deeply things. unspeakable evil things. And you And you would say to me or I would say to you, dude, there's nobody home. I mean – there's no light on in the house, right? The reason we would say that is because not only is there is there darkness on the inside of them, not just in their mind, but their heart is is dark because their eye will not allow their spirit will not allow any light in whatsoever. You know, the neat thing about creation is it's never ever dark. That's right. It's never truly, truly dark. And um, and and if you're an officer listening or watching this right now, I, I just want to encourage uh, the officers that may be watching this or listening. Um, even as dark as it feels right now, it's still never, ever, ever going to be dark, totally dark. Uh, 
This world will never, ever be given over to evil totally. It will never, ever, ever be given over to pure and 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 gross darkness that will just win. Evil will never, ever win and take over this entire planet. One of the reasons we are doing this podcast and calling it The Remnant Revealed is because there will always be a remnant mm. somewhere. The one that called you as a police officer also makes sure that there's always light somewhere. That thin blue line that's supposed to be and stand for righteousness and right, there's always going to be a remnant that will be on this planet until this planet is exchanged for a new one, but it will still never be totally given over to wickedness and darkness. You know, you saying that makes me think of the thin blue line flag, right? That's right, yeah. You've got this thin blue line, the remnant, if you will, running down the middle of the flag surrounded by darkness. Darkness, right? Right. Um, And again, you just don't realize it. You've heard me say this. As, as my chaplain, right? Right. Where was this all my life? Why didn't anybody <laughs> tell me about this, right? And sure. so, so many of our officers have grown up with some form of faith in their life, uh, maybe baptized early as a child and maybe had a grandparent, right. or maybe went to church all their life or whatnot, but they still viewed that as religion versus relationship, and they never really absorbed or... Uh, took into their heart what it is that the, what is written in this book and you know proof positive is how many of our officers I, I see it and I hear it all the time I see it on the uh, the the halls of our police agencies the walls of our homes tattooed on our arms and, right. and other places and, and written and on stickers in our cars and everything that says, blessed are the peacemakers. It's really become the mantra it has. of what our profession um, uh, uses to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, say who we are. Right. Right. But so often, very few of our officers ask the question, who said that? Where did that Where quote did that come, come from? from? Right. right. And what I've always pointed out after having the revelation myself is I always looked at that phrase as blessed are the peacemakers, period. There's not a period there. Right. When I actually looked in this book, there's a comma there. That's right. And there's a second part to that statement. That's right. That says, for they shall be called children of God. God. That's right. And again... That tells me that very verse is the calling upon my life and the life of many of my friends and people that I work with. Um, and, and how powerful if I go back and try to find out a little bit more about the person who actually said that, the person that actually called me to that. And I guess ultimately what Remnant revealed in this vision is for this is that my hope, at least, is that this will be about transformation not fixing something right. or filling a, a gap in our life right. or or whatever the case may be but true transformation of seeing things for what I shouldn't say that seeing him for who he actually is that's right versus the 
the drama and the trauma that we're surrounded by right. on a daily basis. Now, now, some people immediately, when you and I talk about this, they they start backing up. Sure. Because they're like, hey, I, I, I don't know about this God thing. I did that too. Yeah. I, I don't know if I believe all that. Um, I mean, after all, you know, he's a preacher. He's a... However, we've proven how how many times do you have to prove this throughout your life? Yeah. And throughout your career and throughout these circumstances or issues before you realize this has to go deeper than my body and my mind. That's right. It has to go to my heart. This thing has to become an issue of my faith. Well, and how many times do we hear officers say and I've said it myself is is this it? Is this what is this it? world really is all right. about? Is this what it's all about? Because I have to tell you, our officers know when you pull back the curtain and see the evil workings that are behind so much of the things that are happening in our communities, you immediately say, this, this is it. It's got to be, this has to be about something more than just right. this. And so there's this great um, void Um, in the heart of an officer if they can't find this truth as to why it is they're doing what they're doing. And then that begins to overwhelm them. Correct. Which then makes them question everything they do every day. That's right. And and even who they are. Um, You know, as you know, it's it's not only how you ask a question, but are you asking the right question? Right. Are are you going to get the answer that you really need without asking that right question. Right. And in an interview or whatever you're dealing with, you're trying to find that right question that really causes that human heart, right? Mm-hmm. Like a you know, like a detective who would sit in an interview, he's really looking at the right question that causes the human heart to realize what I've done is wrong, what I've done is evil. I really want to get this off my chest. I really want, and most most people do, unless, of course, they are demon-possessed, but most people really, really want to get, they feel guilty, they feel ashamed. They really want to get that off their heart and off their chest. And what you and I would say, come clean, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what that is? They're really finding, or that detective's helping that, that suspect find a way to repent mm-hmm. from their heart. Now, they've been lying from their head. They've said all manner of things with their flesh, their mouth. But really, the issue, you know and I know, was deeper than that, and that's in their heart. And that that officer or detective helps them find the truth in their heart, and then they'll speak the truth and truly repent in that moment or share, I did it. Otherwise, right? true, Confess. Account- true accountability right. can occur. So it's the same thing for you and I. We have to realize that we have also disobeyed the law. Hmm. Now, this is the law of the heart. That's right. This is not a speed limit sign over in the county, on the county line. Every human has to come to a place where they realize that from the heart – I have violated the law. And that's why in that, it takes confession from the heart 
to come to a place where repentance can be found. Otherwise, if you're never guilty, then you can never receive the innocent clause of what God has done for you and I. Does that make sense? It does. And I think, again, the revelation for an officer is, you know, uh, you know, what does a human do when you've been called to do something such as this and you're there to uh, protect folks, uh, protect one another, protect, you know, families, uh, even people doing bad things, you're there to protect them right. even from themselves. From themselves, right? right. Folks struggling with mental health crises, um, uh, chemically induced deliriums, all these other things, right? We've now come to a point in our in our communities where we say, hey, listen, they have a mental health issue. This person has a chemical dependency issue. It's not their fault. They're not in their right mind, all right. these other things. No doubt. And uh, that's also the whole point of being encompassed by evil, the an evil spirit, if you will, right? right? A spirit of evil um, that that can encompass somebody. And again, that's why we don't war against flesh and blood um, and why we're called to stand a line against evil. And I always say e- evil follows the path of least resistance. And nowhere more than our major cities in this country oh, come on. have we found Woo. that. Um with the surge in violence, the numbers, the murders that are skyrocketing in our in our streets, our neighborhoods. Absolutely extreme. Folks just being slaughtered I mean, in our communities. Um, unreal. I just, it's one of those deals of, it, it, you can become so overwhelmed by that. Um, and then if you compound that with a fellow officer gets hurt, killed, dies in the line of duty, you know, our officers then contend with, on one hand, a sense of relief that that was not them, but it could have been them. Right. And then immediately they suffer from the shame of even having such thoughts. And then that overwhelms them. And if they don't have someone, something speaking louder than that into their lives, it'll, it'll carry them away. And... And that's what we see. And that's why we see so many officers be broken from this profession rather than having a firm foundation into why it is they do what they do and who it is they are doing it for. Then you go home and you have to cut your grass. Your wife is asking you, when are you going to fix her car? The children are saying, come on, Daddy, come on, Mommy, let's play. We want to have some fun. Did you get your schoolwork done? No, not yet. Well, you got to get your schoolwork done. I mean, then they go home. They have real life, same life issues that everybody else has. Now, wait a minute. People don't want to talk about that or know about that, that, that these are actually real people that have real lives, real homes, yeah. real, fa- real problems. Yeah, like like having to call your sergeant and say, I was holding my, uh, my child uh, going out the door. They're... Uh, in diapers and they blew a diaper out all over my uniform i'm going to be late Mm -hmm. because i got to go change my uniform Mm -hmm. i mean everybody that's real life that's real life stuff but in an officer's life it can exacerbate what they just went through yesterday because of the stress and the level of stress that they had to go through yesterday with three home invasions 
elderly couple that were just beat just about to death. They think of their own grandparents. They're standing there looking at uh, a, a woman who's got four children that's weeping because she doesn't know how she's going to have enough money to pay her light bill. They've just dealt with a child that was accidentally hit and and killed in the street. They're dealing with, I mean, two runaways that don't want to go to school. Parents can't that's control them. That's in just them. that day. That's in one day. That's right. in one eight-hour shift on the job. And now they, they're... I mean, these things build up. You try, you're being professional on the job. Sure. You try to forget all that before the next day. It's just, it's, I think it's many, a load. Many people think that that then translates into the officer becoming unprofessional or, or taking actions outside the bounds of what they're supposed to be doing on the job. That does occur. We have officers uh, who step of out of line, commit crimes, do things improper. Sure. All those things, much fewer than what many people believe. Mm -hmm. What we don't talk about the majority, is high it doesn't majority. usually manifest itself on the job. Right. It manifests itself in the home. In their personal off life. Off duty. That's right. Uh, in their spirit. Right. And that is the thing that I hope that Remnant, Remnant Reveal, Reveal yeah. will, help will help with our officers and their families walk this journey. Hopefully we in some shape or manner, can come alongside yeah. of them and provide them a form, an outlet, uh, not to where they're going to get their problems solved by us or these discussions, right. but point them to where they can get help for sure. the issues they face, but also where they can get that right there in their home, their neighborhood, That's right. their community. And their wives and their children, if they want to listen or watch. You know, we're going to tackle some tough questions. Yeah, We're going to talk about some tough questions. Yeah. We're also going to talk about some really great answers. That's right. Uh, for those tough questions on this uh, on this podcast, and uh, you know we're going to do some interviews. We're going to talk about some different things. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great time together. Uh, we're going, to, you know, hopefully at some point bring some uh, other people in to interview them. Some uh, some people that have done this job for a very long time as well, and uh, try to give as much of a well-rounded perspective. Uh, on how you can be a strong warrior uh, of heart, strong spirit, strong mind, strong physically, and go out and do your job extremely professional. Do it with joy. Uh, find a place of joy in your heart. Do it with peace. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you first have to have peace in your heart. Amen. Um, do it with uh, do it with you know, with gusto, you know, hoorah, we're going after it, right? Uh, but also do it blessed hmm. every day going into this, knowing that you're blessed, that there are people that love you all over this planet. There are people who are standing with you and for you. You're not alone. I think one of the things I would just love to say to every officer, even though they have the family of blue, they're not their only family that's on the planet, you're not alone. There are people that love righteousness that know that you stand for that every day and that you are fully and truly loved, not just for the job you do. That's a thankless, 
job in a lot of ways, but we're trying to get the voice louder of, of saying thank you. But you're loved for who you are, for the call that's on your life. We recognize that that call is deeper than just the uniform you wear or the badge you carry. That call goes all the way to your heart, to the innermost part of your being. We're just trying to help you know where that call came from. So it's going to be revealed on this uh, podcast, and uh, I can't think of anybody I'd rather do this with than you. Well, likewise. uh, And we've seen the power of it. Yeah, We've seen this work with officers all throughout this region that when we provided the outlet for them, Sure. Uh, how much uh, peace it has brought to them and their families. Yep. Um, and just the revelation that they're not alone there and that they're not facing these challenges aren't just unique to them, but there's uh, other folks who have uh, walked this journey as well. And uh, I just, I'm excited. I think Me this too. is going to be powerful. Yep. I think so many families will gain so much from this and my hope is that not just law enforcement families sure but other folks who watch other this folks as well, as well. and yeah. say oh my gosh these people are human as well that's right and um and i think there's a lot yeah. of power in it i, I want to close by one of the one of the quotes that has made such a difference in my life that i think would be great for us to talk in the next podcast about uh came from uh dr harry reader when he said that uh Circumstances do not dictate our character. There you go. They reveal they it. They reveal it, yeah. And provide the opportunity to refine and develop it. That's right. That really should be the ultimate That's uh, great. objective of this podcast, Remnant yeah. Revealed, revealing our character, providing the opportunities to refine and develop it, but not allowing the circumstances. To dictate That's who correct. we are on the inside. And as I always say... Uh, We love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. All right. Well, until the next time. Let's get after it. Let's do it.